From Sin Media in Melbourne, you're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast all about neurodiversity. Good afternoon, or good morning, or whatever time it is that you are listening to this podcast, Great Minds Don't Think Alike. You're with me, Cal. And myself, Christian. And uh, for the last show of the uh, of the year, year yes, we're going to. I was the last show of the week. I was like, oh, no, we don't do multiple shows a week. <laughs> no, is, imagine how sick you would be of us if we did multiple shows a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's true. We're going to be talking again about abuse stories. Uh, yes, but but, was, but before you run away, after that, we will also be talking about Christmas. We are. We, we realize this is our last show of the year, and this is the festive season, and Christmas is is what like about two weeks away now, um, or depending on when you're listening to this, it could even be Christmas Eve. Who knows? So we thought we would talk about the experience of, a, of neurodivergent people during the festive season, during Christmas, what, what, it's, what it's like. Well, what, what, what sort of like the interplays can be between, say, something like autism and... These, the festive season. Yeah, you know, family well, celebrations, you know, get-togethers, stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, we thought we'd end on a lighter note, but sadly there have been more stories of abuse that have come out in the past two weeks that we will also be talking about, yes, that people also need to talk about, including us. Mm. There have been many instances this week of abuse and just terrible stuff going on, so I thought I'd just roll it into one. So, yeah, we'll see you into the next segment. Mm. All right. Again, once again, this week we've had another instance of abuse um, within a care center. And I believe this one's inside Brisbane, if I read it correctly. I could be wrong, but it was inside an AIOU center, which is all of ours. Uh, two female staff have been placed on extended leave um, after two boys were found with bruising on their arms and back. And this was noticed by their mothers, who reported it to the center. Again, when we're talking about abuse, if anything sort of comes up, we all know the numbers by now. Lifeline, 13, 11, 14. Kids Helpline, 1-800-855-1800. Uh, Beyond Blue, 1300-22-4636. For all your mental health needs. But, again, it, I think we should stress that this... I don't want to say that this doesn't happen, because it clearly is. But at least according to the, the staff or the report that's coming out of the administration, the injuries were sustained during toilet training. Um, A-I-O, uh, A-E-I-O-U, try to say that five times, looks after uh, a bunch of people on di- different functioning levels on the autism spectrum. And it, it seems to happen a, lot, happen a lot with people who are autistic. Um, what does? Just general abuse, really. <laughs> it's, it yes. could be because the disability is invisible, so they're just like, you're fine, stop complaining. Hmm. Um, but it's... then again, people inside wheelchairs get slogged all the time, so... I, I guess it's also, especially if they're, if they're that young, then they can't necessarily express it to other people that, are, you know, in, in a way it would make sense to them and be clear to them that they're being abused. It's It's easier to get away with in some ways, I suppose, as well, really. And, and there's also the... the the dehumanizing thing that happens, of course, with you know people with autism, occasionally, like if they have blank expressions, if show if they're you know just as human as any other human, but people don't necessarily see that. All they see is a blank expression that to them equals there's nothing happening underneath there in the way of emotions and thoughts and feelings. Then this is the probably the most awful thing that can happen. The most awful way that people can respond to seeing I the wish- body language of someone on the spectrum. 
I wish to confirm the position of this AEIOU centre, and it was inside the south of Adelaide. But when you, again, the only reason why the mothers got very apprehensive about trying to say, oh, well, this could have been, you know, it's understandable, this could have been, they're two boys, they're two very, very young boys, they could have just been hitting each other inside the playground, as all boys do. They could be on the monkey bars and just fall off it. I, I sustained bruises like that. But one of the mothers said, basically, my son became... His behaviour changed over the course of a week, and then he was very resist, almost violently resistant when she took him to the centres. Which, again, this comes under the, the category of non-verbal communication. Trying to communicate to you that I don't want to go to this place. Mm. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, and of course, for the parent, that would just... You know, a parent could easily just not take that seriously because this is AI. So what, what, what exactly are the services they provide? They provide training for very, very small children, you know, toilet training, um, linguistics. Uh, <laughs> linguistics being speech pathology, as you yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Know, probably know. <laughs> not, lingu- non, not, non, not, not linguistics. Not linguistics. I keep confusing the two. But that's just me, because as soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's linguistics. No, it's speech pathology at that point. And they provide psychological services, all that other stuff. They provide in-classroom support, I believe. I believe that was the quote on the, in the right. article. So things that you wouldn't really expect a small child to find all that thrilling. So, of course, <laughs> um, well, you, you wouldn't be taking it that seriously if, 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 they didn't, if they said they didn't want to go. Like you, you wouldn't really, you, you wouldn't suspect immediately, at least, that that was why abuse. Mm-hmm. And I, I, me and Julia were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I, do, I do think the, uh, the uptick inside this sort of just like the the number of abuse stories that are coming out at the moment is linked with, with the royal commission into the abuse of children inside clerical and state care. We're just starting to become aware of kind of the problem, and I don't want to say that. You know, people on the spectrum, people with ADHD have been ignored. They, I mean, the fact that we know about this contravenes that. But the Royal Commission doesn't focus specifically on people on the spectrum, even though they're probably more vulnerable to this sort of abuse, as we can probably see. Yeah, I suppose. Or, or, or at least they, they're targeted for different reasons to, to other children, perhaps. And yeah, as as we talked about before, especially if they're that young, there there is a higher chance of them not being able to communicate to their parents what what is going on, or yeah, l- l- less less ability there than that of other children. Um, so so you think that this is, it's it's not like this is suddenly this is an, a sudden upsurge of like frequency of these kinds of uh, instances of abuse. You think this is um, just increased awareness, a little bit like. The fact that you know the this autism epidemic that's being talked about um, is really just an increase in uh, an improvement in diagnostic materials. If you uh, like, I, I have other opinions about that, and I'll get onto those later. But I, the way that I probably view it now is that I believe that you know what's it called that the 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 abuse happens over longer periods of time, and then it gets revealed. I don't believe that it's sort of like a massive epidemic. Um, no, 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 yeah, neither do I. That's that's what uh, I was saying. I just reckon that because of the exposure of of these kinds of abuse, that people tend to nip it in the bud quite quickly now. As in, you know, something like 
cage gate probably went on for three months when, you know, in 2009, it probably would have gone on for six before anybody would have noticed um, that, you know, oh, look, they're looking children inside a cage. That's perfectly reasonable and fine. Um, <laughs> but enough about the, uh, well, the progenitor of all of this. Um, so, Christian, what's your opinion on the whole... What's your opinion on Valgate, as Julia probably has coined it at this point? I'm, I'm assuming we we do know for do we know for certain that the bruises came from people who work in the center. Um, well, they said they're investigating it, and the two uh, the two people who have been accused of perpetrating the shall we say assault probably yes. have been placed on extended leave. So that's a pretty. You know, I don't want to say this indication of guilt. Because, you know, presumption of innocence and all that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not really sure what else I can really say about this that we haven't said before. Yeah, yeah we, haven't, we haven't been saying for the past three months, every two weeks. <laughs> exactly. In the same time, in the same place. Just, just Stop abusing children. <laughs> just, just, see, just see these autistic kids as kids, as human beings that will respond to... Abuse in the in just as much as any other child, and and it's it's as wrong to abuse them as it is to abuse any other child. Of course, I have little no qualms whether about whether autistic knock autistic or not. You should not be you know abusing children. Yes, you should not be throwing them in cages. You should be throwing them in boxes. You should not be putting them in timeout inside cell like rooms, and you probably shouldn't be giving them bruises while trying to toilet train them. Exactly. So, would you do that to other children? If your answer is no, then don't treat uh, disabled kids as an exception. Um, if your answer is yes, well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're just an asshole. Yes. <laughs> but assuming your answer is no, then just – that's always my – what I try to treat, teach is like a rule of thumb for dealing with autistic people and kids or any, any disabled people, kids. Just rule of thumb. They are human. Mm. Never lose sight of that. When in doubt, just think this is a human being. Mm. Um, but anyway, on a on a slider light, lighter note, not all the way to the Christmas festi- festive season. That we 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 thought we'd have that as a way to end the episode and send you off on your wonderful or not so wonderful Christmas celebrations. We'll get to more of that in a minute. But for now, Cal and I were just reading over an, inter- an interesting article about uh, National Disability Day or National Disability Awareness Day. I don't really think that disabilities need an awareness day because people realize they exist on some level, but that's another thing. It's sort of like they know that there's a thing called disability that's out there, but they're not necessarily aware of the fact that we're, we're around you, you could be, we're among you, we could be, you could be coming into contact with people with disabilities every day because there's invisible ones and there's... Although yes. the, the guy with the cane, the cane and the dog is a pretty good bet. <laughs> yeah, but, but exactly. It's it's more. It's one of these where I think it's more understanding. There's a huge difference between awareness and understanding. But anyway, this this article by Kerry Finlay, she was sort of talking about how she thinks that the day needs to be reclaimed. That it's not exactly the day for people with disabilities. It's it's a day for non-disabled people to, in in her mind, to feel good about themselves about hearing these fuzzy warm inspirational stories and people with disabilities and like hanging out with them and having tea with them and feeling like they're in touch with this uh, this particular community. My question of course is that if even if even if indeed this is a charade, does it cause any harm? Any perceivable harm? 
it does maybe in the way that if if it prevents like the conversations that need to be had from from being had um and you know obviously there's a difference between going on purely negative complaining rants and and, and actually talking about what needs to change inside society and what people need to make not people need to be made more aware of and where the what supports are needed what needs more supports and where those supports are need to be put towards if if it's like a distraction from the conversations that need to be had then i guess that's where it might be doing harm and and also if it's not like if you don't have a situation where um disabled people are being seen as equals they're being seen as well if they're either like um on the pedestal or in the gutter or if they're if it's speaking into some of the inspiration porn thing where it's like then these aren't people there i motivational narratives i disagree somewhat yeah. with the, the the postulation that somehow this this entire exercise is somehow ableist and i disagree with the concept of ableism as a as a concept because it, it implies that there is some sort of oppression against disabled people now don't get me wrong i'm very specific when i say this i do not believe there is systematic oppression what I mean by that is that there are specific laws inside Australia that prevent you from abusing or oppressing people with disability. And the strongest the law uh, trumps everything inside the land with a strong Republican tradition, which is what we have. Yeah, well, well, well I think you know when they when they talk about ableism, they they think of it's not a given if you're if if you, if there's some venue or if there's some place you're going to go to that it's going to be wheelchair accessible or um, or, or they're going to take into account sensory needs or so say to, you know, maybe they take one example I'm, I'm a linguistics student mm. so doing a linguistics degree and at the moment um, much of it is sort of it's very much based on well people who can hear people who are not hearing impaired because do learn about phonetics and speech production and oh, sorry sound production yeah and uh, and hearing but you know nothing about sign language Braille is slightly different but but yeah there's there's all this sort of focus on well, things things other than signed languages, which is kind of like a whole section of linguistics that is just sort of assumed to not be there and not being taken into account. It's it doesn't seem to be even if it's not so much on the government level on the on the legal level, it's certainly more on the societal level. And when they're talking about systems, then you know they, they might not be talking about government systems so much as like institutional systems or media media systems or like cultural systems or if mm. if they are further with this being systematic I'm, that might be more I'm what willing saying. to accept a, a, a the claim that somehow society doesn't view anybody inside the right light because as i said people are assholes but if you're going to back up that claim you need to at least prove to me that that this is a wide widely held belief and that people believe that that view is correct now i don't know anybody who says yeah i don't like disabled people i'm push them downstairs when i see them uh, oh no they wouldn't they wouldn't say that it's it's not at least in this at least in, in australia it's that's mm. yeah um it's 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 not something as obvious as that but like i i think certainly the the invisible disabilities, so ones like dyspraxia, which we, we talked about quite a bit of detail a couple of episodes ago, because that's just kind of not well known or, or very well understood. So people will just sort of, they'll treat you like you're like you're lazy, like you're not putting in enough effort, and they'll sort of constantly, sometimes people will constantly berate you for 
yeah, they'll, they'll constantly berate a person who has dyspraxia for exhibiting symptoms of dyspraxia, which is ridiculous, but it happens. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's more... It's, it's, it's more, maybe more in the workplace as well with, with something like dyspraxia. I just think that's a good example because it sort of affects you know, day-to-day tasks that everyone has to do, everyone comes into contact with. And if the, that's, that's probably where it's more like systematic. Like you know, in every workplace, there's going to be some kind of yeah, fretful for someone with – yeah. I am willing to accept the argument that oppression, at least inside this society, can only happen inside a corporate environment because for me, that's the only society where a distinctly utilitarian mindset comes into play. And this is the context in which the person who wrote this article is – is speaking from she's just like all this fluff like you're going to a morning tea or you're having a meeting about disabilities and you have an inspiring yada this yeah. this and that and the other and it's for me it's reeks of the very corporate environment and many people believe that we live inside the corporatist society we don't live inside a liberal democracy which again i can accept that argument but if you're going to argue to me that that ableism isn't exists i believe that the only petri dish that it exists in this is the corporate environment which is distinctly utilitarian it says you must exhibit your usefulness to me and if you're disabled ooh, that's kind of a really big peg down yeah that and you you could probably also argue the media i, I would say definitely where you would see ableism and well apart from media is yeah. corporatized my argument still stands yeah that's that's true but like in terms of well, yeah, not 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 just like the development of media, but also the question of representation, I suppose. Mm. Oh, that's is, but is linked. Of that's course, the reason yes. why this show exists, my, <laughs> my dear, my dear boy. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but it can't be just us. Yeah, and it can't it can't be just one podcast who bears the brunt of representation. One podcast is better than zero. I know, but mm. but I'm saying it can't just be one one yes. podcast. It also needs to be you know, TV shows and movies. And, Mm. Books and of of all genres, not just heavy dramas as well. Well, this is yeah. why I, I made a very big kerfuffle about uh, something that happened earlier in the year that uh, Julia, the Muppet, the autistic Muppet. I'm yeah. like, yes, do that. I thought all the Muppets were autistic, but just go with that. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, and a girl as well, as, as as we said, which is, yeah, you know, called on them for not going the obvious route and making it a male character, a female character, also yeah. helps people to realize it. Females exist on the spectrum, as they do everywhere else. Yeah, well, you were talking about overdiagnosis earlier, and uh, what's it called? I did want to make a point on that because I am finding what's it called more and more statistics to put out there that say that they're overdiagnosing in two distinct categories, at least inside America, and it's ADHD and autism. And there are a lot of behavioural traits that that are just going. He has ADHD, put him on Ritalin, he'll be fine. Or he has autism, put him on these antidepressive meds or these calming meds, and he'll be fine. Which that kind of feels like two separate issues there. Like, yeah. Diagnosis is one thing, but, but medication is, is another, really. But if we're talking about social reform, these people are being told that they're autistic, or at least the, 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 the children are being told that they're autistic. And I, like, I believe that we need to become a, a distinct label for this, this kind of, like, I want to call it the misdiagnosed, because they are the victims of harms, because they're getting medicated for a disorder they don't have. Yes, but this is like this. This feels much more specific than like general misdiagnosis. This is specifically so to get this particular medication, which you can only prescribe if someone has this condition. 
it sounds like you're talking about here. So it feels like it's motivated more by the by the medication than anything else, and you know a whole lot of other things. Like if they're a child, probably the parent as well. They they may well just be thinking, is there something I can give my child to help them? And yeah. and also of course to to reduce their own their own stress levels and the extra work that they're having to put in at that stage. So. As I suppose as a doctor, then you'd be un- under a lot of pressure, or you'd, you'd certainly feel the pressure to find some way to give them this this uh, medication that is going to help them. And if they do look, if they do look vaguely autistic or ADHD, then I, c- I can see where this is where the motivation is for this, really. But that feels like it's a separate issue, medication, but still certainly a, a pertinent one, certainly a important ethical one, really to discuss. Yeah, you know, like. The side effects and all of that is, uh, and and especially with, with children and with parents deciding what they, what they take and what they don't take. Mm. Anyway, I, I guess the moral of the article is hire more autistic. Oh, sorry, hire more disabled people. Um. Yes. Or maybe just yeah, hire more disabled. <laughs> if mm. we're talking about the corporate world there, but listen, listen to what disabled people have to say. I suppose, really, is the or what what they want to say. Don't just hear what you want to hear from them. I suppose. Don't just hear what is going to make you feel good, because yeah, like I said, there there is a difference with just between just complaining and having a rant. That's not going to help anyone but yourself. And when we all go on those negative rants to let off steam, but but then there's also you know, making you feel bad in the way that you think, oh, okay, mm. I'm oh, doing this thing that I shouldn't be doing. I need to stop doing that. But that's something a lot of people need to hear. Mm. There's one thing that I would say the author is don't use such militaristic language. Other people don't like that. You can do it if you want, but you'll never get a, a positive response because you immediately place whoever you're talking to in a defensive stance. And they're just <laughs> yeah. like, screw it. I won't pay attention to you at all then. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's I think that's the other thing that she was told to something like to be more be more mainstream, less marginalized, or like there's this other thing of if you're a disabled person, you want not disabled people to listen to you, you have to make it relatable and make it accessible, <laughs> ironic, and it's it's sort of like you have to package it in a way that's going to invite other people in, and I guess like to, you know, to a certain extent, you might be compromising the actual message you're trying to get across there, but on the other hand, this is what charities have to think about as well. You know that whole that the guilt trip that apparently hasn't proved that that successful for charities. You're like showing you pictures of sad children or whatever, like all this devastation, and then saying, "Ah, oh, you're not doing anything about it. Why aren't you doing anything about it? Do it." So yeah, it's that balance of no, not sugarcoating, but also not just. I think you described it like as a letting the Sith in before. Yes. Um, yes. Not giving into your hate. <laughs> in your desire for justice, mm. do not overstep the bounds and mm. give in yourself to your vengeance because vengeance leads to hate. And yes. I believe she said what's called we are going to claim our spaces inside this world. And I'm like, it sounds like you're conquering Gaul. It um, does. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, like, who depends. are you conquering in this space from? I wonder. <laughs> it, dep- it depends what she means. Like, yeah. you know, if 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 you're if you're giving a talk or something, and and that's your platform for the hour that you're giving a talk for, or if if it's a disabilities panel or whatever, then then I would say, well, well, yeah, claim your space. If this is your time to have your say, you don't want other people to take it away from you mm. because they will just have to wait for their time to have their say. 
if indeed somebody is willing to give you a podium, it is strategically advantageous, and I do mean strategically, to A, remain as calm as possible, to remain meticulous as possible, and to not use harsh language like you're taking something away or accusing your audience of doing something. Yeah, it depends on what that is. Because if some if someone really is talking over you and not letting you get a word in, then you probably do have to call them out for that. Well, not really. You can just sit there and watch them be a blithering idiot and go, well, thank you, for, but this person has taken up all my time for questions. I always just respond in kind by saying, you're a blithering idiot and here's the reasons why. Yeah, depending on whether or not you can be that diplomatic and whether you do eventually get the time to respond. Because mm. If indeed somebody is imposing that on these are the ways that you should feel, try to at least combat that with a logic response that can't be tossed out by subjectivity. Because I can say how anybody else can, should feel and they can say the same to me and that would still have equal weight regardless of the topic that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on there's telling someone what they, they should be feeling or like what, what they ought to be feeling. Mm. But then there's also speaking about what they're feeling and there's sort of that assumption in it as well sometimes. Because, yeah, I've, I've heard that sometimes. At, like, at, you know, at least the way that I would approach that is I would simply go, well, I can tell you the way that you should be feeling. Oh, it's a quote about disabled people is very, very angry because we're getting abused every day. But I'm not going to do that because I don't believe I should. Oh, it's called I have that authority. And it's an entirely subjective opinion. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I'm saying it's neither one is really a good idea. Like telling yeah. someone how they should feel or assuming how they – talking as if you know how they're feeling and mm. not actually giving them the chance to say how they feel for themselves. Mm. I'm not a big fan of feelings anyway, so <laughs> I'm more really? of the Vulcan logic. Yeah, um, yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> mm. That's the classic espionage analogy, Spock. Yes. Anyway, shall we move on to... Uh, what's uh, called our, our final segment for this fortnight and for the year. Yes, fittingly, um, this, is, this is what makes this a Christmas... Yeah, this is our Christmas special segment. Christmas special. <laughs> an Aspie Christmas. Or rather, an ADHD Christmas. <laughs> a Tourette's Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> With an asterisk and a swear word <laughs> at the bottom of the screen. Oh, come on. Don't get, mm. that, just, that just makes me puke. I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like saying, oh, an autism Christmas. And with the, like a picture of a tree and a pie symbol and a computer and all the things. That... But oh, those are all things I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, they're stupid. They, they yeah, I know, they're, they're horrible mis mischaracterizations of it. They're horrible generalizations that at least work for half the population but don't work for the other half. I get it. Oh, the thing with Tourette's, though, is it only works with, like, 10% of the population, which is weird. Yeah, uh, that is the thing, but uh, I thought I would inject some humour, um, because <laughs> it is it is the festive season. You made it sound more like it was Halloween, then. I know, right. Um, <laughs> it is well, Christmas. Like, well, I mean... yes, well, coming from the perspective of an Aspie, I have to go and socialise with the rest of my family, which, of course, can be very daunting, so it is scary. Really? Um, you find Christmas scary? So you don't, do you do that much throughout the year, though? On oh, a regular basis, or is this, this sudden... We should preface this by saying that this is a non-denominational quadrant. In South Australia, we celebrate, I think at least most of the societies uh, present Christmas, but if you're celebrating Hanukkah or some other tradition, feel free to at least impose some of the rules here, because I believe it carries over. Yeah, or ba basic stuff like family get-togethers. Yes, and the exchange of gifts. 
And making yes. sure you get the, the right gifts. Oh, God. <laughs> so, <sighs> yes, train. Train of anxiety. Um. <laughs> oh. Um, but 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 with those, I feel like there's there's sometimes kind of an out with like you know vouchers or something, or even or, or even I don't like getting give... vouchers because it's like all right for me it doesn't make any sense. Why would I just give you money? Because then you can spend it whenever that wherever the hell you like. But exactly. that seems dis- so that's what people do. That's seen as disingenuous or unthoughtful. And I'm just sitting here going, if I give you a a card that says you have we have to spend your money at this specific place, you have less freedom. If if I just give you money. What's called? Are you seeing that as a thoughtful gift because you know that I'm going to go to that place and buy that thing? No, it's not really a thought. It's not really a thoughtful gift. It's more just. I think you should go to this place to get nice things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Engaging in say consumerism. I know, but I think like money has now seems to be a much more acceptable acceptable gift, at least when it comes to say birthday parties. I don't know about Christmas so much. That just doesn't really mm. seem well. Christmas, you've got the the whole putting gifts under the tree thing and putting a gift of money under the tree. It's, yeah, your image of what Christmas is like is presents are in these boxes, all these distinct shapes that are not, not like the flat like $100 note shapes. They've got to have some kind of a bulk to them. You know, there's that whole thing of opening them up and wondering what's inside and discovering it that way. But yeah, knowing what to, knowing what to get people. But a lot of people are just kind of, they do say it's, it's the thought that counts. So a lot, a lot of people will you know, appreciate the fact that you put some thought into it, and you've you've given it a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me. If there's one thing, at least Aspies are good at doing, it's thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And thinking about thinking, and thinking about anxiety, anxiety about thinking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I hate when I'm told not to overthink something. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. So, is this something I have to overthink? I'm not sure. I'm overthinking whether or not I have to overthink this, or whether I shouldn't overthink this. Yeah, but, but anyway, I think that's just like a general good rule for gifts. Just. Yeah, just look over the conversations you've had and get something that you think feels feels right. The only places where I think it you know, might fall down is if you get someone, I don't know, like a weight loss DVD or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something that actually does you know, s- like send a rather, <laughs> a rather backhanded message. <laughs> um, even if you think, oh, you know, they've, they've been looking a bit porky lately. I don't think they've been exercising a lot lately, so this could one be of this, good uh, for them. One of the self-help books. How to cope with anxiety. <laughs> oh, like, mm. yes. <laughs> that would be on the same league, I reckon. <laughs> Someone get me a how to cope with anxiety, but like, I'm fine, don't worry about it. No, I, I um, personally, I can't really speak much about feeling anxiety with gifts. And fa- family get togethers, yes, they can be interesting. They're certainly very different. Like if you're a child or an adult or an in between child and adult. Because I, I don't know like how your family get-togethers work, Callan, but certainly with mine, it's this whole kids' table and adults' table separation, or like more like an adults' table and a children's circle. So depending on your age, exactly, I'm still the age where I can get away with this. You don't really have to do like the hyper-social, conversational, mingling dinner table conversation. You can just, especially if you've got little kids, you can just be entertaining them. And mm. that avoids having to have these, you know... Oh, it, even entertaining kids, little rascals, they drain <laughs> so much energy out of you. And they're more social than even the most social of neurotypicals, because they want to know everything. 
It's like, yeah, Cal, can you lift me up and toss me around? And can you read me a story? And oh, no, do you I know don't. anything about this? And I'm just like, <laughs> give me four seconds, please. <laughs> I know, but but in that way, like, you don't really have to think too hard about you know, like, yeah, having that's... a discussion with them because mm. they're, especially if they're really little, like they're, it's it's such you know such low energy, sort of low effort stuff. Like they'll. They're so easily amazed. Yes. Like, if you count to 50 for some of them, if they're really little, they're so impressed. Mm. So, and you keep going, and then, wow. Um, there are numbers that yes. are above 50. Yeah. I am only just learning this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess it's 100. I remember when I learned that you know, numbers didn't stop at 100. That mm. was quite amazing. Um, anyway, yeah, it's it can be draining, but it, it's draining in a different uh, way. It depends on whether it's, 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 say, if it's cousins. If you get to play with them when, like, their parents are sort of away, because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it, like, a little bit awkward if the child and the parents are there. I don't know. It just feels suddenly self-conscious if I'm, like, you know, going into playing with a kid mode and someone, especially their parents, is like, watching me because <laughs> uh, I don't know like you, you would know about this kid mode thing like obviously everyone goes into into a kid mode to mm. some extent yes absolutely so it makes them feel young again but yeah. there's also sort of like this as you get older there's this expectation you have to do more for the the event that is happening that is Christmas mm. Day yeah that's and true. you have to sort of like bring food around and make sure all the gifts are aligned and my mother punishes herself by doing christmas cards <laughs> i don't no idea why but christmas cards yeah christmas oh. cards and she hands them out to just about everyone and oh yeah that's, yeah that's um, a thing i never really uh, i'm not really someone who does christmas cards but i know sometimes it is, it is kind of that well, if I'm giving one to them, I can't very well not give one to that person, can I? And actually, if I'm giving one to to that group, then I might as well give them to this group because they're about as close to me as they are. And, oh, but that person might talk to this person. They might find out that they didn't get one. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Once, Form a list, check it twice, like the big man himself. Yeah. It's sort of like once you go beyond, I don't know, like your group of close friends and family members, it, all of a sudden there doesn't seem to be any end to this mm. but it it's keeps spreading yeah and also the day itself it's you're expected to be social 100 percent, 10 percent of the time you can't have sort of like sit in the corner have a quiet moment to yourself otherwise your family is just like what the hell's wrong with cal yeah i know um, um i think i might have have i talked about my experience with the french exchange with this before i think i might have a little bit but yeah i i do know uh what you mean because yeah with my french exchange and Hasn't really happened to me much at Christmas, but I imagine it would be, yeah, so like all these teenagers just like crowding around this one bench at a park, whereas I saw like another bench next to me that was very big and totally free. I was like, "Eh, you know what, I just just feel like sitting on that bench and reading a book. And the the other teenager was kind of looking like, is is, is he okay? What's what's he doing? What's he doing? What is this? Why are not you being social? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't understand. And uh, I'm giving I'm giving a few like general rules of thumb here. Stage whispering doesn't work in real life. Stage whispering. So you yeah. Oh, mm, so yeah. if someone's a few feet away from you, yeah, they can hear you. Yeah, and you start saying, "Do they? What are they doing? Are they okay? Do they? Do they know that with me? Because I get a lot of blood nose. It's just, does he know he has tissue up his nose? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. 
get that one all the time. Yeah, so another good rule of thumb. Um, any Anyone who's not hearing impaired, stage whispering is not going to work with. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, again, it, it, the whole process of just preparing for the day and the day itself and then after the day and then, oh my God, it's... 2016, what do I do? Yeah, it's, true. I can understand how it would be overwhelming even for, you know, normal people. Mm. Not just the weird ones like you and me. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, but let's define weird. No, that's that's a topic for our next episode next year. <laughs> well, it's quite simple. When somebody calls you weird, you're weird. Yeah, and that person but... is normal. And you're not communicate with them anymore. You just hang out with weird people because they're what's called... They're not deserving of a company anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, At least that's such a rule of thumb I have. They're going to call me weird. I'm just not going to talk to you. It depends on what kind of, if they call it in, weird in, this, in a dismissive way, like, oh, that's Callan. He's the he's one who's not ultra one. social for all of Christmas Day. He's the one who occasionally has a quiet moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, to no, collect his thoughts and think about what he's about to say. I know. I mean, what, what is this? We're not at the beach. I'm not allowed to have a quiet moment because the rules change at the beach, of course. Mm. And it was, it's also the fact, because, like, I can't remember the statistic, but a large proportion of the people who are afflicted uh, with disorders inside Australia, oh, especially the afflicted? young people... I don't know. Well, yeah, people yeah, have disorders. Yeah. yeah. Affli- I use afflicted in a very loose sense. Yeah, I know. That's, like, yeah. very, very negative for my taste. But anyway, yeah, yeah. people who have disorders, the, the, yeah? the people who have disorders, like ADHD or autism yeah. and Tourette's, have a very low employment rate. Yes, unfortunately, um, yes, for a number so of reasons. They have to yes. meet every single year at this place called Christmas, and they have to tell the rest of their family what they've been doing for the past year, which is, oh, I've been trying to find a job. Oh, that's what you were doing last year. That it is cripples tough. you inside. I know, I, I know. I, it's the first time that I've had to do it year hmm. on year, and <sighs> it just... It uh, destroys you. It really does. I know. Because everyone asks you, of course. Yes. And um, you have to keep repeating the depressing answer, I'm not doing anything. But even if you are do- doing something, I mean, I mean, unless you're doing something that's sort of really well-known and really mainstream and people get, then you can sort of make a make a conversation about it. But yeah, with so what? I'm Bachelor of Arts student doing linguistics, creative writing, and French. So, you know, it's it's... Especially like because I'm of a Greek background, so some of the people around the Christmas lunch table are sort of from that really have to call it the first wave of immigration now, which would have been like around the 50s and 60s. So if they asked me what I was studying and I said medicine, ah, totally get it. They would have all all these questions about their health. Um, Mm. Yeah, whereas, you know, um, creative writing, linguistics and French. (laughs) Well, Ah. it's it's even worse for me because my family is just like, don't talk about religion and politics. Oh, sure, of course. I have a degree in... You've got all the controversial stuff. I've got a degree in politics. I understand. There are people inside my family who are are very left and there are people in my family who are very right. Hmm. And I'm right in the middle Hmm. and... It becomes, oh, <laughs> it becomes very difficult. I know. Yeah. A lot of people don't really see the point of linguistics for me. So uh, I've explained to my conservative mm, side of my mm, family mm. that, you know, all the ideas that the Labour Party come with, some of them are actually feasible mm. and applicable and yeah. actually really good. And they mm. have to go to the Labour side of the family and go, okay. The liberals are not trying to kill you, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> the media 
in a position. Wow, so much fun. And especially if you're doing it alone. Yeah, I imagine that would be difficult. Because there's there's definitely like this list of things that you know people are gonna ask you because they're sort of expected to be like universal questions, so or they, well, they want the Family. most. Yeah. For me, and I know I do notice patterns here. They want oh. the most amount of information in the shortest period of time, because they realize they only have a certain period of time in order to extract the information, and they genuinely care about what the hell has been going on. The yeah. problem is that it's very, very open ended, and oh. the answer, the answer, and the truth somehow just, yeah. If you're somebody who's unemployed like I am, you know, the answer is inherently depressing but if you're, you do have a steady job it's like i've been doing this yes and you have to repeat that several different times <laughs> because not everybody heard it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know um, um and, and yeah depending on what it is people might ask oh, what what is that exactly oh okay yeah and they might not have very many follow-up questions if it's something that's very obscure mm. yeah i know i do i do feel that like it's a whoa you're asking me to reflect this whole year of my life in these in these few words and especially with the sort of work that i do now it is um work as opposed to study it is you know, very much like disabilities autism neurodiversity focused pretty much all of it except for the other shows I do here on Sin. So when it comes to like people asking me, oh, what do you do at these schools or what, what's your show about? I've taken to actually just kind of just without telling them. I don't normally use the word neurodiversity and leave it at that because that's not very well known. But you know, I'll, I'll say like, oh, I work with autistic kids or do a show about autism and neurodiversity and just kind of hope for the best um, in terms of how much they will understand it. And sometimes yeah. people surprise you pleasantly. It's usually with the way that I explain it because I've been volunteering with uh, special needs kids for a very long oh, true, time. Oh, yeah. And what I usually say is I deal with disorders. If <laughs> Like, I don't deal with people who inside wheelchairs and with canes. I, if your condition, like ADHD, if it has disorder on the end of it, I will probably somehow deal with it. Right. And, so that's um, interesting. So you say you deal with disorders as opposed to mm. because yeah, I Which, I don't know why exactly, but I think I would I don't use people first person I, I first language use, or anything like that. But you know, I don't I'd use say, the word yeah. neurodiversity a hell of a lot because I don't believe it's specific enough. Because oh, I know. You, oh, everybody's no. brain chemistry is different. I know. So I'm, I'm not saying I would really use it. <laughs> having no. a bunch of neurotypical people instead of buildings technically neurodiversity. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm. That's not what I was talking about. I was yeah. talking about like you say you deal with disorders where I just realized mm. I'm not ex- exactly sure why, but I'd more say like I work with autistic people or people who have ADHD or dyspraxia or Tourette's or whatever. And I don't really know why, which is curious. I guess that's the, that's the first thing I think of when people say, well, like, what do you do at this school or what do you do on, at uni? Uh, sorry, as in, like, my role as disabilities office bearer. Like, the first image I get is of the individual faces of the people I work with mm. rather than the more abstract the disorders and, that they all have, which is interesting. With me, it's graphs. I can visualize any political system inside my head. For example, mm. because I'm staring at you right now and I know you're, you come from a Greek heritage, I'm a picturing the Athenian democracy diagram inside my head, which included the Council of 300, a couple of Senate judges, <laughs> um, the citizenry, which were basically, you had to be over 25 male and not a slave mm. <laughs> in order to vote. And uh, I suppose the way that just ties back into Christmas, because um, I have to go into sort of just like that room and just sort of explain to 20 different people all the same answer. And I the have same to make answers to yes, what, to what the question? same questions, the same answers to the same questions, and sometimes I just 
What questions are we talking about here? Like, what what have you been up to? What have you yeah? What have you been up to? What have you been doing? It's interesting. Um, I wonder, like, how it, because it must be very different if you know, say, like, you, you've you've got a partner or you've got kids, because then, like, you get a lot of questions directed about that, of course. Well, not, oh. not actually not necessarily about the partner if they're right there, but so tell me about your kids. What year what? are they in at school? Yeah. And oh, yeah, um, and just doesn't really seem to have an age limit. This question, or maybe I don't know, maybe they, it, but you know, like the what do they want to do? It's, it's also this imposition because you know people with disorders tend to be less social, and I don't want to make you know ethnic generalizations here. But it's like the expectation that somehow it's like, oh, look, there's my kids. Maybe you should have kids of your own. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Get over there and. Breed. Yes. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> and, at spe- and, at, yeah, and at a certain point, your older relatives will stop caring who you breed with. But yeah, of course- They expect you to do it all the same. And it's mm. just, you start slamming your head against the wall going, God, stop saying it maybe it might happen I know <laughs> that's obviously universal yeah that's mm. that's in many ways a universal thing I just wanted to claim to the universality of it because it just it just happens regardless of who or what you are it just as soon as the, the person in question or the relative in question hits that age they start asking questions they're just like, oh, what's it called? Are you social with any women or are you yada yada this or that? And like, oh, yeah, being asked the question is... Even even when I ask people who, who are, homo- are homosexual or otherwise inclined, they're just like, oh, so when you're adopting, I'm like... Mm. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what I meant with uh, you know, being universal or not. Because uh, especially in this family situation with you know, people of different generations and different cultures, everyone may not necessarily all know if you have a sexuality that is not hetero. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I spoke earlier... I, like a few episodes back about infantilization, how much that annoys me. But when you're coming into contact with relatives who either don't get what homosexuality is or don't understand it or just have you know, these very negative feelings towards it, or homophobic basically, I'm kind of grateful that as as much as I can still delay having having to be asked about these questions of, oh, so when are you going to get a girlfriend, you know, to which it's all good to reply, never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The, um, the more I can put that off, the better. So if it means that they still treat me, put me in like a child basket and don't even consider that I might have a partner, but they also happen to be homophobic, then that kind of just makes it easy. Oh, sometimes it's not even genuinely out of homophobia. It's just, it's almost like this innate drive that just flicks at a certain age. And they're just like, you need to start producing the next generation. I want to see them before I die. Yeah, true. <laughs> I know. And I, and I guess, yeah, not be homophobia specifically, but, you know, obviously it's... They can totally make the argument. That if, you, be... if you don't mind me using the word heteronormativity, I guess that's pretty much what it is. Mm. They don't get it inside their minds that this person is not attracted to the opposite gender. They never will be attracted to the opposite gender. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> they will never breathe in the way that you're hoping they will. Yes. Whatever you want to call that, that's pretty much what it is. Stubbornness, maybe. Let's call it that. Uh, yeah, stubbornness. <laughs> Still, that's Christmas for you. <laughs> Stubbornness, um, yes. That is, yes, they, those are all the it's joys It's a tradition of that's going to be around at least for all of our existences. Yes. Um, and of course, you know, we should mention before we finish that... Yes. Christmas can not, be a very, very good time. Yes. Oh, well, I was going to say that you said that people with um, neurological disorders 
tend not to be very social, but some of them are. Yes. So some of them are obnoxiously social. <laughs> Which yeah. You, it only seems to go in extremes. <laughs> so in some ways, they do that. They actually might might enjoy this. The whole family together, social gathering. If every family is different, obviously. But yeah, in other ways, it's. I guess it's sort of all the subtleties you have to read of this big group of people who's in this together, and they're all sort of yeah, this sort of flux of like this conversation now involves these people. This conversation now involves these people. This conversation is now split in two. It's now split in three. It's now joined into the one. It's now split apart again. I am now now speaking with an elderly person who speaks in very slow sentences. I am Mm. also speaking with a five-year-old who is uh, what's called juttering like a gerbil. Hmm. Very hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> it is, um, especially if you feel like you're the only one who's not able to keep up. But despite that, of course, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas here on Great Minds. Don't and two on Great Minds. Year. Don't ho ho ho. Stink alike. Oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> That was almost as bad as mine. <laughs> what was yours? <laughs> Merry Christmas from Tourette's, asterisk, swear word. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. They should put that on a Christmas card somewhere. It's mm. lame enough to go on a Christmas card. Yeah, oh, it definitely is lame. It's going to make me vomit, unlike my pun, which is genius. But yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Completely, because my puns aren't genius either. <laughs> Ah, but yes. um, We we wish you a Merry Christmas. Yes, if indeed that is what you celebrate. Happy holidays. Maybe you can give us a Merry Christmas by liking our Facebook page and following us on Twitter. Yes, that Um, would would be a wonderful Christmas present. mm. And also listening to us on Omni, which you you can now do. Which if you're already listening on Omni, you already know. Good on you. Yes, if you're not listening to us on Omni, um, the SIN website, sin.org.au. Go head over there, and mm. while you're there, you might as well listen to the other Sin shows. And very soon to be on iTunes, I believe, as well, which is exciting. And uh, what other Christmas gifts can we say to give people? Um, tell your friends about neurodiversity and neurodivergence and neurological disorders and great minds don't think alike. Oh, your disorder. I have ADHD, goddammit. Hi, this is Squirrel. Uh, sorry. I am ADHD, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a, we'll, we'll see you in 2016.